Well, good evening. Uh, as Rob introduced me, my name is Charles Davis. Uh, for those who don't know me, uh, I'm one of the pastoral interns here, and it's really a privilege for me uh, to bring God's Word uh, with, to you this, uh, this evening. One of our customs here is, as we hear the Word uh, proclaimed, is that we stand as we hear it. So if you wouldn't mind, if you were able to please stand finally as, as we hear God's Word to us. We're continuing our series in John, and today we're in John 8, chapter, or chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus, again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from, or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for gathering us here this evening. Lord, I thank you for your promise that as your word goes forth, it doesn't go out void. It accomplishes what it set out to do. Lord, I pray you give me the words to say, Lord, that they would build up hearts, uh, convict people of sin if need be, but Lord, ultimately that you would be glorified Lord, that our eyes and hearts will be lifted to Jesus. We know more of your grace and your love for us in him. I pray this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. I hate roaches. I don't know if I need to say that. I mean, I don't know anyone who really likes uh, cockroaches. Um, I mean, there, there are companies that make a living off of eliminating them. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a very uh, real thing for me because uh, just recently I moved down to uh, City Heights to a, a new place. That's <laughs> nothing to do with City Heights. Um, but uh, we, we found shortly after that that we had, had a roach problem. And some of you, I'm sure, have had this experience if you've, if you've had a, a, a pest problem, especially with ro- roaches. What I would do is I would come, come home uh, after, after a long day. It'd be... It'd be dark outside, no lights on. Uh, I'd, I'd come in, I'd first one in, turn on the lights, and what happens? All these little punks on the floor just scurry away into the darkness, into the shadows. They're repulsed by the light. They don't, they don't like to light, the light. They don't want to be, to be seen. Now, why am I telling this story other than to, to just bring gross memories back to, to your, your mind? 
Well, today we, we just heard that Jesus proclaims himself to be the light of the world. And what we find is, is that not everyone is drawn to that light. Not everyone is, is, wants to come to that light. In fact, we see a group of people that are actually repulsed by that light. They actually run away from that light and rather run to the, the darkness of, of their own pride and sin. And also what we'll find is, is that these people aren't, aren't so much un, unlike us. You know, we, we believe in Jesus. We trust in him. We believe and, and affirm that he is, he is the light of the world. We follow after him the best we can, but, but we're still struggling with sin. He's freed us from darkness. He's, he's released us from the captivity of sin, but we, but we still struggle. It's, it's still a battle, and there, there are times in our lives, sometimes more intense than others, we're really faced with a question, are we, are we willing to give up this dark struggle or this, this sin that I'm, that I'm drawn to and allow the light of Christ to shine in our lives and allow it to, to fill us with life and joy as we follow him? Some of you may be experiencing that now in a real intense and, and, and real way. Many of us are, are familiar with that in, in some way or another. So if that is you or if, if that describes you, I, I, I hope this is encouraging. Because what we find is, is as we, we follow after Christ, as we seek him, that, that our life is, is filled with life and, and joy. Really what I'd, what I'd like us to see here is that in a, in a world of darkness and evil, our hearts being the root of that darkness, Jesus is the only light that can bring life and truth to our hearts. Therefore, we must walk in this light and not in the darkness. I'll repeat that. In a world of darkness and evil, with our hearts being the root of that darkness, Jesus is the only light that can bring life and truth to our hearts. Therefore, we must walk in this light and not in darkness. There are three things I'd like to, to bring out that I, that I think are found in this text. First is we're going to look at the light that brings life. The second thing is that we're going to look at those who are blind to this light. And the third thing, we're going to look at the light that was put out. So the first is the light that brings life. Second, those blind to this light. And third, the light that was put out. So first, the light that brings, that brings life. Uh, this is one of the many of you probably heard the I am statements of Jesus, where Jesus makes a claim about himself saying, I am this. Here he says, I am the light of the world. Uh, prior to this, in chapter 6, we, we heard him say, I am the bread of life. Uh, Rob preached not long ago in chapter 7 where he talks about he's, he's the living water. So this is, this is one of the many statements that Jesus makes about himself, a claim about himself of who who he is. And perhaps you may have heard people might claim saying, you know, Jesus never claimed himself to be God. He was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. He was, he was just caught in a bind. It was unfortunate. It led to his death, but he never really made these bold claims about himself. But really, if you, not just this, this claim, but if you look throughout the, the scriptures of how Jesus speaks of himself, he's, he's very clear and very deliberate about how he describes him, himself. So here we see that, that Jesus is, is proclaiming himself to be the light of the world. Now, when we think of light, we, we can draw all kinds of uh, descriptions. You know, light uh, illumines a room. It, it, it casts out darkness. There's all kinds of things we can, we can draw and, and relate to. And, and even just that alone would give us a comfort and hope in knowing who Jesus is 
and what he what it means for him to be the light of the world, but Jesus is meaning something deeper than that. He's He's thinking about something uh, specific when he describes himself as the light of the world. And he's speaking to an, an audience that would understand what he meant. So what does Jesus mean here when he says that he is, he is the light of the world? Well, what he's, what he's referencing is, is a time, is, is a celebratory time for the Jews. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. Now this was a yearly feast that the Jews would participate in where they would, they would gather together, they would celebrate in the evening, uh, where the, the temple uh, would be lit, candles would be lit in, in the temple, and people would gather from, from all around, rejoicing and worshiping in the Lord. There'd be torches lit, people would be dancing, and, and everyone would be drawn to the temple. Uh, and, and the image there was to remind people of the Exodus, when, when God delivered Israel out from slavery— what he did is he, he guided them through the wilderness. And when he did that, during the day, he would guide them by a cloud. And at night, he would guide them by a pillar of fire. Let me read to you Exodus 13, verse 21. It says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud and led them along the way. And by night, a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day, and the pillar of fire by night did not depart before the people. And then another text in Exodus 40, verse 38, it talks about how the, when the temple, the tabernacle was constructed, which was a mobile place of, of worship as Israel moved, so the tabernacle would move, but when it would be set in place, the, the fire would descend on the tabernacle. So this was really all of these vivid imageries of light and, and God guiding people uh, by light was to be reminding the people as they, they worshipped and celebrated at these, these feasts, at this, this uh, Feast of, of Tabernacle. Now, there are many implications uh, to this that, that we, can, we can look at, that as Jesus is the light, he's, he's drawing people to himself. First is that, that, that he is God. I mean, this, this is a clear statement that Jesus is also bringing on these other texts in Scripture, in the Psalms, it constantly talks about Jesus being, or the, the Lord, Yahweh, being, being light. Uh, in 27 verse 1, the, the Lord is my light and my salvation. In Psalm 36 verse 9, it's, it's in your light we see light. In 43 verse 3, it, it asks God to shine forth uh, his light so that, that he might be drawn, the psalmist might be drawn to his holy hill. Again, we get that, that image of, of the light shining and illuminating the surroundings and drawing people in. You know, this, this feast that, that would go on, it, it, there were accounts that would say that, you know, as the, the temple glowed with light, it would, it would illumine all the surrounding neighborhoods. So people would just be drawn in to worship the Lord. But, but they were drawn in, and as, as, as we know in the temple, even though you were able to worship the Lord, that God's presence was blocked, that you couldn't enter into God's presence. If this tabernacle moved, and actually as the fire descended on the tabernacle, people couldn't approach and go in uh, to the tabernacle because God's presence was so, so holy. There was, there was a veil separating the people from the presence of, of the Lord. So here he is. He's, he's proclaiming himself to, to, be, to be God. But he's also the one that, that draws people out of darkness. 
not just in a, in a literal sense as, as the light gathered or, or, or guided people through, through the darkness of the wilderness, Jesus draws us out of spiritual darkness. In Isaiah 9, uh, verse 2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, that those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. That's us. We're those people who, who without Christ, without uh, God's, God's work of grace in our lives, we live in darkness. We are, we're, we're more uh, prone to just dwell in our places of, of darkness than, than be drawn to the light. But, but Christ has come in and has shown that in our hearts. You know, Paul reminds us in Titus 3.3, 3, he says, We were once foolish, disobedient, and, and led astray. That without, without Jesus, that you and I are just walking, walking in the darkness. But I want to I encourage you that as, as we, we recognize that and we see that at times we, we, we feel like maybe this is you that, you know, as we, we wrestle with, with that darkness, as we wrestle with our own, own sin, at times we feel like we're, we're just captivated by it. We're, we're, we're slaves to it still. That there's no way to, to be able to resist the, the poles uh, of, of temptation. And perhaps that's you. Perhaps you feel so defeated by your own sin, def- so defeated by your own, the own temptations that you struggle with. And we struggle with all kinds of, of sins. You know, your sins might look different than my sins, but all of us wrestle in, in, in some way or, or another. And there are times we feel so, so, so just captivated by, by our own sin and, and just feeling like the darkness is just enveloping us, that we just feel automatically just surrender to it. But what does Jesus say? He says that those who, who fall after me, those who, who look to my light and, and seek me and know who I am will never walk in darkness. Really what Jesus is saying in the, in the absolute sense, no one will, who, who follows me, who follows after my light will, will walk in darkness. Now what does he mean by this? It doesn't mean that Jesus says that, that you and I will never sin. Uh, that once we come to him, you and I will, will never uh, wrestle with sin. If that was true, we sh- none of us should be here. Um, you know, all of us wrestle with sin in, in some capacity. And, and, and the New Testament, the scriptures assume that. They, they know that even as, as Christians, even though we're walking after, after Christ to the best of our ability, we still struggle and we still fall and still fail. So what Jesus is saying is it's not that we'll, we'll never never sin. But the way, the way the New Testament talks about, about us as believers, we, we find statements like these that are, that are kind of extreme to really say that you're no longer the, the person you once were. That, it, that it, it's as if you, you will never walk in darkness. You are, you've been released from uh, the power of sin. You've been released from that darkness. You're no longer under its, its power or control that now you've been delivered from that. So, so walk in, in the light is, is really what, what Jesus is implying, that as, as we follow after him, we're no longer uh, under the, the power of that darkness. And actually, that what, what, what Jesus says is that the, the light of life that will, will shine on us, that, that in him uh, we have that light of life, that as Christ's light shines on us, we, we experience life. We experience uh, joy. We experience the, the freedom from sin. 
So if, if sin has left you feeling defeated this evening, if this week has just been, been just marked by just struggle and defeat, that you have the light of, of life shining in you. That sin that you wrestle with, that deep, dark secret that you haven't told anybody, that sin has, has, has no power over you if you're trusting in, in this light that you've been released from that darkness. So what do we see? Do we, do we, af, after we see who Jesus is, what, how he refers to himself being, being God and being, being this light that draws people out of, out of darkness as we, as we gaze, as we continue to follow after him and trust in his, his mercy and grace, we experience that, that life and that joy of, of following him. How do people respond to this? You know, do people, do people follow after him and, and, and worship him after this? Well, actually, we'll see a, a group of people that in that day and age would be the least expected to, to reject him. You know, the Pharisees were people that were at the top of the food chain in the religious or in, in the Jewish world. I mean, they were, they were the, the most astute and, and moral people they knew the law front and back. They, they memorized the scriptures. They were very smart and very, uh, um, they just, re- they really understood the law and not only understood it, but they, they practiced it. And they, they uh, were, were good at um, living out what, um, or at least they believed themselves to be good at living out uh, the law. So it, of all the people in that world, you would think they would be, at the front of the line to follow Jesus. If they really understood the scriptures, if they really understood the prophecies and what, what it spoke about the Messiah, they would be the ones to, to bow down and worship Jesus. But what do we see? We see them just, just reaching for whatever argument that they can muster. I mean, you and I have had that experience where we're, we're trying to make a point and we're, we're arguing after something and... and no matter what, how, how we get there, it, it doesn't matter just as long as we're right. Even though the argument we're making has, has no relevance or, or doesn't really support our, our argument, we, just, we don't want to surrender. We don't want to give up uh, us being, being wrong. And here we see the, the Pharisees um, doing that. This reminds me of a story. Uh, years ago, this is when I was um, a, a kid, I was hanging out with my friend John Michael hanging out in our parents' garage. And as we're hanging out, we hear uh, my, my youngest brother, who's like five at the time, and his good friend, they're like arguing, and they're coming up to the garage. And so, you know, as a big brother doesn't want my little brother hanging out with me, I hide, and I wait, I wait with, with my friend, and we're, we're listening to their argument, and they're bickering about, you know, they're five years old, so uh, they're, they're arguing about who lives closer to the school. You know, there was a local school uh, close to our house, and so for some reason it was... It was you know, it was a heated argument. <laughs> and my, my youngest brother is, makes this point and, and an argument that has absolutely no relevance to what they're talking about. I'm not making this up. He goes up and he, and, and he says, oh yeah? Well, John Michael has a real boomerang. Like, absolutely no, no sense. And no, I mean, for him, he, it, it felt like it was a real... You know, it, it really made his point, and he won the argument. Um, and here, my, my, my brother, or my, my friend and I are just trying, you know, trying not to laugh. And, and it's funny, and we excuse that, and we, you know, they're five. They were five at the time, so we don't expect, expect a lot. They're still learning, and they're still learning how to argue and reason. 
So, so something like that is funny, but we don't fault them for that. But these guys aren't, the Pharisees aren't five years old. They're, they're grown men. They're, they're, they're grown men who, who not only are, are smart and intelligent, but know the word of the Lord. Like, they, they know the law. They know the scriptures. So, so the, the fact that they're the ones that are they're standing up against Jesus and, and pulling whatever argument that they can muster to throw back at Jesus, to, to stump him, is staggering. So what, what is the argument that, that, that they put in, in front of Jesus? He, they say, uh, your witness isn't true, or because there's no one to, to back you up, basically. There's no one that's, that's testifying for you. Now, why would they bring that up? I mean, who cares? Um, well, there's a reason for it. In Deuteronomy 17.6 and in, and in 19.15, uh, it talks about how there needs to be a witness. Whenever there's a charge made against somebody, there needs to be a witness there to testify and, and support that charge. And that if there's, there's not a witness, then, then the charge is, is, is worthless. Um, so what they're doing is saying that, you know, Jesus, you're making these claims about yourself, that you're saying these things, but you have no one to back you up. Uh, there's no one that's, that's here testifying uh, for you. Now, looking at this and, and thinking about all that's happened, I mean, Jesus has done so much already. You know, he's healed people. He's, he's healed people that were paralyzed. He's, he's proclaimed himself in all sorts of ways, drawing out all these Old Testament texts to point to himself. Uh, he's done all these things that, that they at least had, had heard about, let alone seen for themselves. So it's not like that, that they didn't have enough information to go off of. Really what, what this shows is, is their hardness of heart, that they're refusing to, to submit to Jesus. And actually, they're, just, they're not genuinely wondering, where, you know, trying to ask uh, what Jesus means, that they're actually just trying to stump Jesus because their hearts are hard. But Jesus doesn't, he doesn't follow after uh, their, their, own, their own agenda. He actually, in a sense, throws the law back in their face. And also, if, considering that, that they're making this charge and accusation, if, if they're wrong, and if they're actually making a, a false accusation, uh, there's a weighty punishment behind uh, uh, accusing someone falsely, if you look at Deuteronomy 19.6. But he doesn't, he doesn't conform to their argument because really they, they're blind to him. They're blind to, to who he is. They're blind to the fact that, that Jesus um, is, is God. There, there are three things that we see. First, they're blind to the fact that Jesus, Jesus is God. He says, even if I bear witness about myself, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I am going. What he says is true because, what, basically what he's saying, he's, he says he's true because he has uh, omniscience. He, he has this utmost knowledge that only God has of knowing where he's from and, and where he is, he is going. And we have all, all sorts of texts in, already, just in John 1.14, it says that the word became flesh. Like, this is, this is God who's, who's come to them. So here they are arguing against the Lord himself. And he is the one, as we looked at last week, who wrote the law. He is the one who, who gave out the law to them. But the Pharisees are blind to this. And also, uh, as he says, they, they judge according to the flesh. 
Uh, he says, if I judge, my, my judgment is true. You, you judge according to the flesh, but if I judge, my judgment is true because it's, it is not I alone who judge, but, but the Father who sent me. What Jesus is saying is, is, is that he's, he hasn't come on his own. And he's actually come on, on a mission. He's been sent by his Father. And he's been sent to save. That's why he says, I, I don't judge. We, we've seen other, other places as well. He, he, what he's saying is, is that the, the purpose of his, his mission is not to condemn. In John three seventeen, it says that uh, the Father sent to gun, the Son uh, not to condemn the world, but that the world might through him be saved. Really what, what, what Jesus' mission was, was to, to save us. Jesus came to, to sacrifice himself. But he says, even if, even if I judge, my judgment is true because I'm submitting to the Father. Jesus didn't just come on his, on his own agenda. He came under a plan that was written before time began. And it was a plan that, that his Father and, it, and himself and the Spirit planned out for him to, to accomplish for us. And that was salvation. And the Pharisees believed that, that they were right because they had, had God's wor- word, quote-unquote, behind them. They, they believed that they were standing on the law and so that they had actual authority in what they said. But when Jesus says, you know, your law, he's not separating himself from the law of God, but what he's saying is that your, your interpretation of the law, your understanding of the law is, is false. But even, you know, in, in your law, it says that on the testimony of, of two witnesses, so what he's saying is that you know, my witness is true because the Father is also uh, supporting what I say. So they, they misunderstood the laws. The, the third thing, they, they say, uh, they believe uh, that they, their trust is, is in the law and that's, that's enough for them. But he's, uh, the, the Son is supporting himself uh, by the ministry of, of the Father, the, the mission, the sending of, of the Father. Now, this is, this is interesting. Again, thinking about how, who the Pharisees were, I mean, the people believe that, that these were the, the closest people to God. I mean, they, they made a, a practice of, of following the law, but really what they're doing, as we saw last week, is they're just picking and choosing. They're picking and choosing what works out for them, what helps them in their, their pride, in their ministry, in their life, uh, even if it puts down others. But when it comes to things in, in the law that condemn them and uh, make them out to be just as sinful as, as anybody else, um, you know, they, they, they are repulsed by that. They're, they're offended by that. So they're misunderstanding the law. They, they don't really understand the purpose of, of the law. Now, Christianity is, is not about keeping rules or, or being obedient, which is what the, the Pharisees um, believe. They, they, they thought that they can actually approach God rightly because of the practices that they had, had made for themselves. But Christianity is about trusting in the finished work of Jesus. And that's why Jesus is being so frontal with, with them. And it's actually an act of, of mercy that Jesus, even though he's being so harsh and he's calling them out on their, their sin, he's, he's doing that so that they might repent. They might turn from, from their pride. They might turn from uh, their darkness. Now, the Pharisees are, are easy targets. I mean, we can, we can pick them up and, and, um, and assess them and critique them and say how, 
every, everything that they're doing wrong. And it's true, and it's, and it's good to, to, to recognize uh, those things, but the, the reality is we're, we're more like the Pharisees than we will like to admit. Um, you know, we, we uh, as we looked at last week, how often we judge other people. We put other people down and, and raise our own uh, identity and our own uh, uh, lives up at the expense of, of others. But as soon as someone calls out our sin or, or our sin is revealed to us, we're, we're repulsed by it. We're, we pick and choose, really. We, we pick and choose um, what we want about, about Christianity as, as the Pharisees um, did. They, they weren't allowing God, the light of Christ, to penetrate their, their own pride. And there are times that we, we do that as well. And maybe the Lord is, is revealing your life a, a particular sin. The light of Christ is shining on you and, and, is, and is revealing in your heart a, a particular sin or idol that, that you're wrestling with. Again, all of us have, have um, different, different sins. Maybe your sin is anger. You're, you're angry at someone, something that was done, that was wrong uh, to you. Um, you are frustrated, angry at that person, but that anger is turning into bitterness. That anger is turning into hatred. Um, and, and the light of Christ is, is shining on that, and, and you don't want to give it up. You don't want to release that, that anger and, and frustration. You're, you're holding on to it. Maybe it's, it's, it's addiction in, in all sorts of forms. I mean, we, there, addiction can take all sorts of ways. Um, and maybe you're, you're drawn to, to a particular addiction where you're feeling like you know, it's, it'll satisfy your needs, it'll... it'll give you what, what you want in, in the moment. And you're, you're wanting to run back to, to the darkness. You're wanting to run back the life that you, you once lived. And maybe God is just is calling you to a life of suffering. Um, and, you know, you're, you're willing to, to give up certain things, but, but there are some things you're just not willing to, to give up if that means following after Jesus. You know, we, we do this, we, we, we pick and choose when, when it comes to following after Jesus. We're willing to follow at him, but sometimes it's, it's, it's at a certain point. When we reach that point, we're, we're faced with that question, are we willing to give up these, these particular sins and issues? Are we willing the Lord to, to work in our hearts and our lives, to, to work out the life of Christ in, in our hearts? And trust me, this, this is just as much for me as, as it is for you. I'm not, I'm not just... Just, just preaching this out to you. You know, I, I have my, my own sins and, and faced with those questions of having to, to give up and, and, and allow the life of Christ, the, the light of Christ to, to shine and to, to bring life and joy in, in my heart. So, so allow, allow the, light, the light of Christ to, to shine through you and, and know that this, life, this light brings life. I mean, we, we've talked about this before, how how easy it is to, to follow after sin, to, to, to go back to the life we once lived, because it's, it's gratifying. It has this immediate gratification. It satisfies our needs for the moment. But it only brings death. It only brings hardship and more pain. And the life that we have at following after Jesus is, is hard. It's difficult. It's painful. It's, it's frustrating. It's, it's inconvenient. It's, you know... It, you can fill in the blank, but it's, it's, it's difficult. But the reward that what, what comes in the end is, is far greater than anything that any kind of sin or, or really anything else can, can offer. So maybe you're feeling the weight and the, the burden of sin and the guilt of sin. 
You feel enveloped by the darkness. You feel the shame. The impossible task, seemingly impossible task of following after Jesus. I mean, you're faced with your own, your own sinful desires day after day. So how do you, you know, what does it mean allowing, allowing the light of Christ to, to shine in your life? Well, the third thing is, that we'd like to look at is, is the light that was put out. You know, this text ends and it says uh, that Jesus, uh, I'll just read it. After Jesus says these things, he says, These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught them in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Here we see that although the, the Pharisees wanted to arrest him, wanted him to, to put him to death, they weren't able to. Um, you know, if this was, this was a movie, we didn't know the end of it. You know, we might, we might be glad and excited. I mean, our hero lives another day. Um, he, he wasn't taken by, by the villain. But if we continue on the story, we know that eventually the Pharisees do arrest him. And the Pharisees do kill him. But that wasn't against his own will. And that's why this verse ends. It says his hour had not yet come. When it talks about his hour, the time, Jesus will talk about my hour or my time has or has not yet come. What he's talking about is his crucifixion. The hour is is the hour of, of his death. When Jesus would be, would be arrested and beaten and crucified. But he didn't do it against his will. In fact, he did it willingly. As we'll see later that Jesus willingly gave himself uh, to the guards. And doing so, submitting himself uh, to his, his father's will. And, in, and when Jesus died... It, it wasn't just a, a simple death. He was, he was taking on our own sin and darkness upon himself. Those things that you and I are just constantly drawn to and, and, and want to run after, and the sins that you and, you and I commit day after day, and the, the, the sinful thoughts that we have, the, the words that we say that, that aren't pleasing to the Lord, that's, that's what Jesus took upon himself. And that when Jesus died, the account in Luke says, in Luke Twenty three forty four. it says, Now it was uh, about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. When Jesus died, the, the sun was covered. There was, there was real darkness that covered Jerusalem. It was the middle of the day. I mean, it was, it was a... It really signified what was going on. I mean, the, the creator of the world is, is, is suffering the wrath of God. That Jesus is, is taking on the wrath of God and, in fact, is, is taking on our darkness upon himself. And is, is, is suffering God's wrath for, for you and for me. And I find it interesting that as in the Old Testament, when the light, the, the light would descend on the temple or on the tabernacle... People couldn't approach, they'd be drawn to it, but they they couldn't approach it and go inside the temple. They couldn't go inside the tabernacle into the presence of God. But what we see here that as Jesus takes on on that darkness, the temple is is opened up. That people can actually come and rejoice and worship in God's faithfulness, but can actually come into the presence of God. And that's, that's what we do here that when, when we come here and we, we hear the word preached and we hear God's, God's grace going out and we eat of the sacraments and, and, we, and we partake of his blood, we're, we're, we're partaking of, 
of, of the mercy and grace and, and reminded of the faithfulness of God. That's why we come here. We, we, we come rejoicing because the darkness has been, been illuminated, that God has been faithful to, to, to guide us out of darkness. So friends, if, if you're here and you, you feel the, the weight of sin and you feel the, the guilt and the shame of sin, know that, that you've been forgiven, that you are welcome here, that you're, you're welcome in, into God's, God's presence. And if you feel that, that just enveloping darkness just over you and feeling like you're just defeated, that that, that power has, has been eliminated, that you, you have the light of Christ that is pouring life into you, that is, that is working itself out and, and, and bringing life life into your, your hearts and lives. So re- remember that. Remember, and, and don't, don't bar yourself from, from this. Don't, don't, if, you know, Rob will say this, but if, if your week has been, been just marked by struggle, if, if you're trusting in Jesus, if you're putting your faith in him, you are, you're welcome to come. Allow the, the, light, of light, the light of Christ to, to shine in your life and walk in that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, that you have been faithful to us even in moments where we are, we are unfaithful, we lack uh, belief at times, or that we feel the draw of our own sin and darkness. Lord, that you still remain with us. Your grace is sufficient for us. Lord, you welcome us here. God, I pray that our worship would be filled with joy. Lord, we would rejoice in the work that Christ has done. Lord, as we partake of your sacraments, we'd be encouraged and built up. Lord, and as we face this week and face our darkness, Lord, that you would guide us by the light of Christ. You would lead us through the pain and through the turmoil until we see you face to face. Praise in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.